Well, good morning, Eagle Mountain Baptist Church. This is Pastor David. And I'm sorry I can't be with you today. I've been fighting a fever this weekend and it just will not give up on me. It won't let me go. And so we thought this was probably the best uh, solution. We weren't able to get a substitute preacher in the, the time that it became apparent I needed one. Um, but we're going to try this this technique out this morning. So I appreciate you all uh, drawing close with me as we look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 8 through 12, and 23 through 32. So this, uh, this passage is coming off of uh, verses that we have focused on quite a bit. We uh, reminded ourselves of them back in January, and we looked at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 last year. Those were some of our memory verses. And so I know that where things are coming from in, in our text today uh, feels a little awkward, but uh, with Proverbs 3, 8, but it comes off of the passage Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. Which is verse 7, and we didn't do that one last year. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. And then the very next verse is, It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. I know this is kind of an awkward way of starting, but what we're looking at today is the results of following God's path, trusting him over ourselves, trusting his ways, and turning away from our own wisdom, our own thought processes as, as humans, not necessarily as believers, but as humans. Hopefully as we walk with God and walk with Christ and have filled with his Holy Spirit over the years, our thinking and our wisdom will be more and more God's wisdom. And if we, if we do this, if we walk in his ways, if we trust in the Lord, it will be healing to our body, which that's an apt verse for me today. I need that literally. Uh, and refreshment to your bones. And he continues, gotta, there we go, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So right here at the beginning, it's, it's, <clears throat> oh, sorry about that. My, uh, my things aren't quite in the same order as they are when I have a PowerPoint schedule. Uh, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. But remember the, the first part of this. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. The very first thing he tells us to do as we are going to trust in him is to honor him from our wealth, from the, the first fruits of all your produce. The, the Israelites, if a, if a sheep had a lamb, uh, the first one that came, uh, that was born, was the Lord's. Now, if, if that you ever had more lambs, they were yours. But the first one 
The first one belonged to the Lord, and you gave it to him as an act of worship and honoring of God. Same thing is true with uh, produce. The first um, time you go through the field, the first of the produce that you gather in goes to the Lord. And, and part of the reason for this is because uh, you weren't guaranteed a second lamb. You weren't guaranteed more produce. Maybe the first day you're able to do a good gathering in, but then the next day it rains and destroys your crops. The temptation for us is to withhold and to trust in our produce, our own wealth. And that's what this passage is telling us. This wisdom from God is that if we honor the Lord with our wealth, and from the first of all your produce, he gives us a promise so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. In fact, at one point, the Lord told the Israelites, test me and see if I don't open up the, the storehouses of heaven and bless you mightily if you would just bring the offering to the temple, bring it into the house of God, uh, provide for the priests, and see if I don't bless you. And that is, uh, you know, that is a fundamental thing about our lives. And it gets to how we trust in the Lord. And so the, the promise here, your, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Uh, the promise is that God will provide abundantly for us if we will trust in him. God will provide abundantly for us if we will trust in him. And... Um, that's what that's what the offering is that's what tithes are it's us trusting in god it, it's not about uh, money for the church although we use those funds we we do uh, assist off them and um you know the the giving of the church if it's higher it enables us to do more uh, if it's lower it restricts our ability to do things so, for instance, our uh, giving has been down, and I've had to go part-time. So I am not available as often as I would like to be to visit people and to work in other areas. We're kind of on a, a shoestring ministry right now, you might say. And the promise here, though, is that God will, God will give us what we need if we trust in him. And so as we're at home, as we're uh, thinking about what we're going to do in, in service to the Lord and how we praise him and worship him, part of our worship is with our finances. There's an old story that Sam Houston, when he was baptized and he got baptized later in life, uh, he had his billfold on him when he was baptized because he wanted to not just baptize himself, but baptize his money. He, wanted, he, he was saying, in essence, this is God's. My money is God's. And notice it's, it's um, first fruits, you know. And there's a passage from 1 Corinthians that says something similar. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save, as he may prosper, so that no collections be made when I come. Paul was taking up a collection for the provision for the saints in Jerusalem. 
And what he was saying to the church in Corinth is that they should decide at the beginning of the week, prior to making any money that week, how much they were going to set aside. And then as they went about their business, as they made their increase, as they got paid, they were to take what they decided to do and put it aside. And, and this is a principle about honor. Remember, it, it was honor the Lord with your wealth. If I give somebody a, a leftover thought, you know, if, if I'm going to say, a, give somebody a gift for their birthday or for Christmas, and I'm running around, say if it's Christmas and I'm running around on December 24th through my house looking for something that I can find, that I could give them, is that honoring to them? Or if I think about it, if I think about a gift that they would appreciate, that they would like, and I give them that gift, and I go out and I buy it, and I prepare it, and I wrap it, doesn't that communicate more love and more honor? And so the same thing is true in our giving. Uh, if you're on a salary or a fixed income, it's a lot easier because you know how much you're going to make. And the idea is you decide, you think, uh, you reason, you know, put aside and save as he may prosper. Let's think about, well, how am I going to prosper? How much money am I going to make? How much money am I going to come in? If you're on a fixed income, you know, if it's Social Security, well, how much is that? How much do I need to live? What can I do that would be honoring to God? It's not just what can I afford, but what would really be honoring to God? And sometimes, depending on the person, I've even, um, you know, I've, I've canceled very little money but that it was something that would have been a sacrifice for that person. You know, if, if you get a lot of coffee and you're always at Starbucks buying coffee and you say, well, I can't give to the Lord, I, but yet you're spending $6 a day on coffee. Well, what if you took $6 from one cup of coffee and didn't get that coffee that day and then you gave it to the Lord? That would be a baby step. Obviously, we don't want to stay there. But the point is, is that we should do it at the very beginning. We should think at the very beginning of the year or the month or the week, how much can I honor the Lord with this year? What will give me joy in giving to him? Don't, don't wait till the end of the year and look and say, well, what's left over? That doesn't honor God. And so part of, the, part of trusting in God is honoring him with our wealth because he will provide abundantly. He promises. He'll take care of us. It's not a, it's, it's not a, a way of making God work. It's a promise that if you trust him, he will provide for you. And, and it can be tough. I know, you know, if you, if you make say $50,000 and you're going to tie it uh, 10%, that's $5,000. You could do a lot with $5,000, but can you honor God with it? That's the idea. And that's what he calls us to do. The second part of this first passage tells us, My son, do not reject this discipline of the Lord. Do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. Just a moment, let me get to a blank slide there. 
having to do double duty today. And we're seeing here in verses uh, 11 and 12, it says, don't reject the discipline of, of the Lord. Now, <coughs> excuse me. Now, discipline is different than punishment. Discipline is different than judgment. Discipline is the idea of, of correction, of chastening, of helping somebody grow in the right direction. Not only that, you also have that word in the second verse, reprove. Uh, or the first verse, too, or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves. So reproof, again, it has the idea of to rebuke or correct. And both of these things, so, so we looked at in the first verses, we looked at what we can give to God. Now we're looking at what do we receive from God. So just as we say, honor the Lord with your, first, with your wealth, uh, from the first fruits of all your produce, your increase, what you can make, honor the Lord with these things. Here it's receive from the Lord discipline. Receive from the Lord re re uh, reproof. Accept them from him. Don't reject the discipline of the Lord, or literally Yahweh, or loathe his reproof. And the reason is, is because whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. I think a lot of times we can feel like uh, if God is correcting us, we feel like he is angry with us or, or he is upset with us or we are failing him. And that isn't the way to go through life. Trust God. If he is disciplining you, trust his discipline. If he is reproving you, trust his correction, trust his rebuke. Uh, don't go through life thinking, I've got to stay perfect. I've got to do everything right. No, trust him. Trust his reproof. Trust his correction. And why? Because it's just like a father does to the son he delights in. And, and this is the idea that if God doesn't like you, if he didn't love you, he wouldn't rebuke you. He wouldn't try to help you correct yourself. The, the most unloving thing going on in the world today is the vast number of people who are saying, you are perfectly fine just the way you are. You were born that way. You are, um, you know, whatever you want to do, that is okay. And it is, it is appropriate for you. It might not be the thing for me, but you're okay doing it. All of that is lies. And it's literally people who, you know, they might not realize it. They might not think about it that way. They don't love those people. Because if you love people, you will rebuke them. When they need it, when they are doing wrong. If you love people, you're going to discipline them. A son uh, that is loved by his father is going to be disciplined by his father. A son who is not loved, a, a father who is indifferent to his son, isn't going to discipline. He might punish, he might hurt, but he's not disciplining. And discipline has the idea of correction to help you go in the right path, the right direction. And so, uh, the thing to remember here, though, is that if God does that, uh, we need to tell ourselves, if you're, you know, if, if you're being disciplined by God, if you're being reproved by him and he's rebuking you for something, that should give you joy in your heart. Not that you've done bad, no, but that God's reproof is evidence that he delights in you. That's what's so great about it. If, if you actually feel God's discipline, that means he delights in you. 
there are a lot of people who don't seem to feel God's discipline. They're going along doing their own thing. And I think what we can see in that is that for whatever reason, he doesn't delight in them in their, in their way. That's why he oftentimes lets the wicked continue, lets the sinner continue in their sin. He doesn't delight in their sin. He doesn't delight in them. But as a person of God, as a believer in Jesus Christ, God delights in you. And he wants you to be better. He wants you to be righteous. He wants you to follow Jesus and be filled with the Holy Spirit and, and, and live as he would have us live. So his reproof, that, that means he, he truly, truly delights in you. Now, uh, Proverbs 30, or excuse me, 3, <coughs> aren't you glad I didn't come today? I didn't want to get close to anybody, um, and I couldn't figure out how to stay away from everybody. I'm sorry. But Proverbs 3, after verse 12, it gets into um, the blessing of, of acquiring wisdom and having wisdom and finding wisdom and how the Lord used wisdom. You know, I love this idea, and I hope you'll read it this week, that the Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth in verse 19. By understanding, he established the boundaries, um, or by understanding, he, he established the heavens. So he, he used wisdom even in creation. And he, he goes on and on about uh, wisdom. And he says, my son, let them not vanish from your sight, knowledge and wisdom. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. And so then some guidance on what does sound wisdom and discretion look like uh, it begins in verse 23. He says that wisdom and discretion will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Okay. And then he says, then you will walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble. Now, when he talks about walking in your way, he's talking about how you live your life, that you're going to walk uh, in your way, in your life. You're going to go through your life securely and your foot will not stumble. He says, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. I'm having to check to see if uh, how far I'm supposed to go with this, this one. Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. So these four verses, 23 through 26, they're, they're focused on walking through life securely, without fear, walking in life confidently, without worry, you know, the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Very close to the idea your foot will not stumble. And in the middle, we have when you lie down, you know, when you go to sleep, you're defenseless. But when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. We looked on Wednesday night recently in uh, the Psalms, the idea that uh, he gives sleep, you know, he gives us the ability to rest. Uh, if, if you're worried about things, often one of the first things you lose is your sleep. You can't sleep. You toss and you turn. You're, you're worked up about stuff. We lose sleep when we're worried, when we're bothered. But if we, if we trust in the Lord, if we keep wisdom and discretion, uh, 
we're going to walk securely and we're going to sleep sleep uh, sweetly. And we don't have to be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught, the attack of the wicked when it comes, and, and it will come. But we don't have to be afraid of it. We don't have to worry about what's going on and what's going to happen. The same thing is true in our lives today, that uh, there are so many things that we can be afraid of in the world, you know, what's going on with political powers and world powers. Are we going to remain as America? We don't need to be afraid of that. We don't need to be afraid of sudden fear that something's going to overtake us. We don't need to be afraid of the onslaught of the wicked. Why? Because the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. The Lord is the one who will provide for us. The Lord is the one who will comfort us and take care of us. And, and, and he will give us peace. If we will live according to his ways. Notice that's the um, that first verse there. Uh, let me go back to it real quick. And you will walk in your way. Well, hopefully our way is God's way. Isn't that what we want to do? You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lead on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. We're trying to walk his way and we want our way to become his. And when we do that, if we, if, uh, if we live according to God's way, he will give us peace. Living according to God's ways will give you peace. Living according to his wisdom, living according to his uh, insights, his discretion, his way of doing things, living according to his word. If we do that, he will give us peace. And, and living in his ways will give you peace. Now, that doesn't mean you might not have trouble. You know, we, we have the onslaught of the wicked. But we won't stumble. We may be attacked, but we won't break. That's what this, uh, these verses are telling us, that if we live according to God's ways, if we live according to his wisdom, according to his Holy Spirit, according to uh, Messiah, Jesus Christ, doing that will give you peace and, and if you're not experiencing the peace of Christ in your life today no matter what troubles are happening well I'm, I would just encourage you to consider are you living according to God's ways are you trusting in him are you going about things the way he has told us to through scripture are you listening to the Holy Spirit are you fighting him are you wrestling with him are you walking the wrong direction we won't have peace if we do that but we will have peace with the Lord if we live according to his ways. Uh, so that's how we choose to live. Now this, this next passage gets into how we interact with other people. Verse 27 tells us, Do not withhold good uh, from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Don't withhold good to those to whom it is due. Now that doesn't mean, you know, that means... If you have the ability to do something and, and it's do that person, don't withhold that. Don't don't skip out on doing the right thing for a person, especially when you you have the ability to do something. Do not say to your neighbor, "Go, come back tomorrow," or "Go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you." Don't don't say to your neighbor, "Go, uh, you know." 
come back tomorrow, I'll have it for you. When you have it already, if you're holding on to a tool for another day, you know, but your neighbor has asked for it, don't, don't delay, in other words. Do the right thing for them immediately. Don't, don't put them off. Don't uh, misuse your neighbor. And in fact, the very next focus is do not devise harm against your neighbor. Don't, don't think about how you could hurt your neighbor while he lives securely beside you. He is in living securely. He's at peace with you. Stay at peace with him. Don't devise harm against your neighbor. And, and uh, the, the idea of devise is the word there is to cut in or to plow. And so it's the idea of, of thinking about what can I do, how I might harm my neighbor. Don't. How, what, a, how, what an awful way of living. I don't think, I'm, at least I hope we don't live that way. But that's God's wisdom. Don't devise harm against your neighbor while he lives securely beside you. He's living securely, you know, he might be somebody you don't really care for, but don't try to hurt him. Don't try to misuse him. Live securely with him as well. And finally, do not contend, or not finally, but continuing. Do not contend with a man without cause if he has done you no harm. Don't, to contend is to strive with, to, to wrestle with. To, so don't contend with a man without cause. Now, obviously, if you have a cause, if you have cause for contending with somebody, if you have a reason and, and it's necessary, well, that's one thing. But if somebody hasn't done you any harm, if, if they're living securely with you, don't, don't devise how to do harm to them and, and don't contend with a man without cause look to live at peace with all people and then finally do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways we can oh man this is a tough one because we can envy people of violence they seem to uh, succeed they get what they want they're wealthy they're popular but he says no don't envy don't envy a man of violence. Don't envy somebody who, who does wrong. Do not choose any of his ways. Now remember, we were focused on living God's ways. And if we live in God's ways, we'll have peace. Well, here is the temptation that we can choose or we can try to live in the ways of a, a violent person. And, and God is telling us, don't envy men of violence. Don't envy those that seem to... Um, have a strong fist and, and win and do wicked things and succeed. And don't choose their ways. Don't try to walk in their paths. Why? Because for the devious are an abomination to the Lord. The, the devious are an abomination to Yahweh. But he is intimate. He gives counsel. He is close with the upright. Uh, he doesn't want to have anything to do with the devious. He doesn't want to have anything to do with the wicked man, right? You don't want to have anything to do with the violent man. They are an abomination to the Lord. The devious are an abomination. Don't try to live their ways, you know, and, and there are so many ways in business or in, um, just in life where you can see people that seem to get away with things. They seem successful for uh, 
their craftiness and the way that they um, succeed. But those ways are outside of God's ways. They're not the ways he wants us to walk. The devious is literally uh, to turn aside, to depart. And so it's the idea that if you turn aside from God's ways, if you depart from God's ways, you're an abomination to him. But if you follow God's ways, if you live his ways, he is intimate with you. He will give you counsel and he will give you wisdom and he will provide for you. Now, just as we, we saw earlier that living according to God's ways will give you peace. That is peace amongst all the struggles with people who are uh, walking in their own ways, who are devious, who are violent. You know, the onslaught of the wicked can come to us. But instead, what he encourages us to do is to follow God's way. And, and how do we know God's way? Through his word and through him. As we know him better, as we walk with his Holy Spirit, as we're dwelt with his Holy Spirit and feel his presence in us, he illuminates scripture to us and we understand his ways better. And that's what he's calling us to do in these passages. Um, you know, not contending with uh, an, a man without cause, not devising uh, harm against a neighbor, not trying to figure out how you can hurt them. You know, treating our neighbors well. Don't say to your neighbor, go and come back. Don't withhold good. All of this is God's way of living. And what he is telling us is how he wants us to live with other people. And, and we are confronted with the wicked. We're confronted with uh, the sinners. We're, we're confronted with devious people. And it's very easy to want to go in their paths, to walk their ways, to think to ourselves, they're successful. It's working for them. But he tells us no. Instead, the wisdom is that we would live with others based on faith in God and his word. To, to, to obey scripture, even when it doesn't seem to work in reality. To obey scripture, even when our culture seems to dishonor those things and to honor sinful behavior and devious behavior and violent actions. It's better to lose. It's better not to become great. Remember, Jesus told us that those who are great among you are going to be your servants. So everything about this with God is, is upside down from what the world wants to do because the world is devious. The world has departed from God's ways. The truth is, is that the world is upside down, that the ways that we're used to walking are upside down. And if we follow God's ways, if we follow his word, if we live in faith in him and in his word, trusting that what he has said is true. And this goes back even to the honoring God with our wealth. That is an, an action, a statement of, I believe God. I trust the way he tells me the world works. Even if it doesn't look that way. Even if I see friends who... Uh, make the same amount of money as I do, but they're often traveling and going on vacation because they've got extra money that I don't have because I'm giving it to the Lord. That's the wrong attitude. No, I'm honoring God. They're honoring themselves. Live, not just in our own life, according to your ways, but live with others based on faith in God and his word. Trust him. 
that the way to live is in kindness and with a concern for your neighbors. So Proverbs 3 is talking about what are what are the results of walking in God's ways? You know, you honor him, you trust him, and, and really trusting faith. That is the overwhelming focus and thought that you, you trust him by honoring him with your wealth you trust him by receiving uh, his his reproof and, and saying oh God's reproving me he delights in me he, he doesn't want to leave me in my sin he wants me to grow in him living according to God's ways choosing to live according to his ways knowing that it will give us peace and finally that it is the right way to treat other people this is about trusting in God's work when the world says it doesn't work. Trust in God's work. Trust in his ways. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today and thank you for the technology that allows us to be together today. Lord, I pray that as we study Proverbs 3 this week, as we reflect on it, that uh, we would be convicted of those ways that we do not honor you or trust in you or walk according to your ways. We pray, Lord, that we would be encouraged when we receive your reproof, that we would be encouraged to live our lives based on your word, based on faith in you, Lord, that what you have said is true. And Lord, we pray that as we walk in your ways, we would have peace. Just as the, the promise for us, if we honor you with our wealth, is that we will have abundant provision. Our barns will be filled and our wine vats will overflow with new wine. Lord, help us to trust that you will bless us, that you will give us peace as we walk in your ways. We ask these things today in Jesus' name. Amen.